Hello, good morning, and welcome to episode 93 of Life Song Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, along with Phil Ramsey, and we're in for another episode. Now, excited about this episode this week because it, we're continuing. Well, first of all, good morning, Phil. Good morning. How are you, sir? Awesome. Well, uh, we are continuing our conversation this morning that we had, um, that we began last week with Mark Sharp, mm. uh, where we talked about evangelism and the gospel, and Mark. Uh, we just continued to roll once we basically hit our time limit we just continued uh, continued recording so what we uh, were unable to fit into the program last week we're going to share with you that uh, this week um, and then uh, we'll come back and focus some more time on the gospel before we get out of here but uh, man Mark just has I didn't want us to end the program uh, and just cut it off because he's got so many good stories of, uh, of different opportunities and different uh, uh, times that he's shared the gospel uh, uh, with folks and uh, those are such good stories to hear and I wanted us to be able to share that you know why he's got stories because he's doing it (laughs) yeah several people that were in the class said well I wish I could have some stories you can have some stories that's right you can have some stories and you're supposed to have stories so that's a challenge that is that is (sighs) well uh, you got something going on this weekend uh Oh, oh, yeah. You're um, a preacher. I don't know if you remember. I Did know. you remember that? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> I'm not a very good one. Today uh, is that we're recording on Thursday, so my, my daughter's going to the prom tonight. So I got another one who's about to, to fly the coop. And uh, so it's kind of a big night for her. And then she's going to Mississippi College uh, in the fall, which is a, a wonderful college. And I'm really excited about that, but I'm... Also kind of sad. Yeah. If it were up to me, she would go to college in her room. <laughs> and if she had to go anywhere, maybe Dyersburg State at the farthest. That's right. But that's not going to happen. In so, Covington. In Covington. Not in Dyersburg. No, Dyersburg's too far. <laughs> that's right. But she's going to Mississippi College. But I'm real proud of her. Proud of all my youngins. But um, the nest is getting uh, more barren. Yeah. Got an 11-year-old, and she'll be a senior before you know it. That's right. It's hard to let go, isn't it? It is. Well, Probably. you're not letting go. It's just another stage. Well, you know, just, just letting her go off on her own. You know, as a father, you're, you're there, you you feel like you have to be there to protect her. Absolutely. Everywhere she goes. And it's probably, it was a little bit different with Skylar, your son, uh, because he was, he is a boy. And he and, can whoop somebody. That's right. He can take care of himself. <laughs> but, you know, you feel like you got to be there to protect your little girl. Quickly, uh, Jimmy, tell us Sunday. You're starting a new sermon series on Sunday nights. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we're, it, it's a little strange on how we're going to do things. Uh, it it kind of staggered. It, it's a seven part series going to take us through the summer, and we're going to start it this uh, Sunday night, and um, and then we'll we'll have a two week break as far as evening services go because we have some things that are going to be taking place going on with Father's Day you know, and all that stuff and then we'll pick it back up the 26th I believe that is and then take it all the way through the rest of the way through all the way through the entire month of July and uh, first week in uh, first week in August for this particular series it's a seven part series and uh, we're going to be covering the hard sayings of Jesus and uh, he had hard sayings he had a lot of them and I'm going to tell you something it was really hard to narrow this down to seven parts um, I had probably 15 parts to start with, and I said, that's too much. It's too I hate long. your mama one. I yeah. don't like that one. Well, I, I didn't include that one either. Um, let me tell you why I picked the things that I picked. Uh, I chose the topics that I chose and the sayings that I chose was because every one that I chose has a direct line right into the process of disciple making. Hmm. And so I'm able to tie that in. Uh, and it was, you know, 
And it's absolutely the strategy that Jesus used uh, while he walked this earth as far as uh, building and making disciples. And I wanted to be able to tie that in. And so we start out with, uh, from Luke 9, deny yourself, take up your cross if you want to follow me. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we're starting out this Sunday night, deny yourself. Well, good. Six o'clock, Crossway Baptist. All right, when we come back, we're going to conclude our uh, interview with Mark Sharp. If you listen to the first one, we he gave us his testimony. We talked about the gospel and evangelism, and now he's sharing a few stories that, right. that he has experienced. So come on back right after the break, and we'll finish our interview with Mark Sharp. In this time of desperation, all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe In this broken generation
about the gospel. And now, uh, Mark, give us a few examples. I know you've traveled many, many countries, and I know you've got stories from from you know local stories of sharing the gospel with people. Share a couple stories with us that really stick out in your mind where where the gospel was proclaimed and lives were changed. Before I even get started with the stories, you know, on the front end, I want to make sure that God gets all the glory, and um, I just want everybody, everyone to know, you know, I'm not telling these stories. I'm telling these stories to encourage you to share your faith. I'm not telling these stories to, um, you know, say, look at me, because it's it's God who saves people, and it's not us. You know, we can be used as a tool, and I would just say, make yourself available. But I'll give you a, a, a couple of a couple of examples here, and you know, the very first one, you know, that I'm, I'll share with was a time in our life. You know, my wife and I, where I think that is one of those spiritual markers in your life where you feel like there was something that happened that year that kind of propelled you spiritually. Um, and, and it was a result of us agreeing to go on a mission trip. We had never been on a mission trip, and this would have been um, 1999, so that's been 17 years ago. And the trip was to Nicaragua, and it was, it was a Bellevue trip. And at that time, believe it or not, we were taking 64 people on one trip it was i think at that time is the largest trip that the church had ever taken and what had happened was um the the baptist association down in there in the country of nicaragua it wanted um bellevue to come down there and kind of blitz the whole country so you know how it's easy to commit to something when it's a year out you know somebody came to us and they said hey would you want to go on the trip and we you know like when is it and then it's like a year later and oh yeah we'll go you know and then as time gets on you're thinking did i make the right decision yeah what did i agree you, to? yeah what did i agree to so <laughs> right. here we are um we're we're like three months out from the trip and and um we were going to be split up into teams of four there were going to be 16 teams of four people each that were going to be sent out to different areas of Nicaragua. And so the team that my wife and I were on actually fell through. Um, the, the young man, the young man from the time he committed to going on the trip was diagnosed with brain cancer and passed away in a, in a matter of about three months. So at that time, you know, Lydia and I, we'd never been on a trip before. And, you know, the, the church Bellevue said don't worry we'll find a we'll find another replacement for those two on your team so we're fine waiting for time to get there and as it turned out we're getting ready to leave and they never did find another team to go so it was just Lydia and I where we were going to be on our own team never been never been out of the country before never been on a trip and to say we were a little apprehensive was putting it lightly so, you know, they said, don't worry, you know, we're, we're flying into Managua, and because you guys are by yourself, you know, we'll keep you close, you know, in town, and we won't send you out anywhere. So we're thinking that's fine. Well, we wake up, we, we, we fly into, into Managua, spend a night, wake up the next morning, we have this big meeting where we're getting our teams and we're getting ready to go out. As it turns out, um, they are sending Lydia, Lydia and I out of town it's about a two-hour ride outside of town and it was out to a little town called Los Laurelis 
And of course, you know, we didn't speak Spanish. We had in, we had a few interpreters. But our role and the purpose of that trip was to actually evangelize that area, but not necessarily by ourselves. But we were there to train and disciple uh, church members how to go, literally, how to go door to door and evangelize. And so here we are. Um, we get ready for the trip, and. Have you ever seen the old Volkswagen commercials where it was uh, kind of a, I guess, a goal to see how many people you could get inside of a Volkswagen bug? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I felt like. Jimmy's house on the way to church on Sunday. That's right. How many kids you got? No, well, we're not going there. But so we're on our way out there, and you know, really, Lydia's looking at me like, "What'd you get? What'd you get me into?" I'm looking at her like, "What are we gonna do?" Um, we don't speak Spanish, you know. All the everybody's speaking Spanish in the car. There's like eight, eight or ten of us in this car that's supposed to hold four, and mm-hmm. and we're driving. It's hot. It's the humidity is about 100 percent, and it's 95 degrees outside already. It's eight, 10 o'clock in the morning, and you know, we're 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 going to this little town and called Los Laurelis, which has turned out to be a little village. It was in the middle of a 50,000 acre sugarcane farm. So we go for about an hour, and then the road ends, and now all of a sudden we're on a dirt road, and we're actually in sugar cane that's up about 10, 12 foot high. We can't, you can't see any direction, but what we notice is that there's a lot of, there are a lot of workers walking, and they all have machetes wow. carrying them, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm taking my wife and myself into our death you know we're never going to come back this is again. how it ends it's how it ends yeah. and pet literally petrified I'm, I'm seriously i'm thinking at this point in time i'm thinking god you know if i made really if if i committed to something that that i'm not prepared for or that i'm not supposed to be here you know was this what was 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 this some kind of a uh, sign that i missed when our team fell through that we were supposed to back out because i really felt unprepared and so after about another hour riding on that road um and and i've got to be honest with you lydia and i both we we were scared i mean we were we were fearful i guess of the unknown not knowing what we were going to encounter so we get we we finally get to this little town or little village no electricity none no running water people just living in basically mud buildings and tan roofs um they drink water they collect off the roof and and rainwater you know um nobody really even had doors on their houses they just had open open areas and you know chickens walking through or whatever you know dirt floors and but this little church this little church it was there um, they had about 10 or 12 people waiting underneath of a shade tree when we pulled up and just really sweet people we didn't speak their language, so we could just speak in English and have the interpreter tell us, tell them what we said, and you know we told introduce ourselves, who we were, etc. Well, there really wasn't there really wasn't much to talk about, so I just said, look, let's let's get busy. So we broke up into some teams, and we were going to start going door to door. Well, we were trained. Lydia and I were trained at Bellevue in a in a program called Evangelism Explosion just a really good compact way of sharing the gospel and make you comfortable sharing it so one of the questions that that's kind of an introductory question when you run across someone is you ask them you ask them a question something along these lines um, if you were to die today 
if you were to die today, um, do you know for certain if you'd go to heaven or not? So, you know, I thought, well, that's going to be a good question to put to pop on the front, you know, to, to ask someone. So we start walking and we walk up, we're walking down this dirt road. We walk up to this first house and there's a man leaning up against his building and everyone's little yard was fenced in with barbed wire fence and the custom was that you would ask permission to come into the yard so here we walk up and this man's leaning up against the building with no shirt on i can remember it like it was yesterday and um he didn't look like he was real happy but he was leaning up against the house and we you know said hola or whatever it was and asked if we could come up there well he said yeah we can come in so here we are there's 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 actually about six of us in my group we walk up there and i'm thinking really i'm seriously i'm thinking this is the biggest mistake i've ever made in my life i don't know what's getting ready to happen you know for all i know the guy's going to whip out a machete and that's going to be the end of me you know type thing and we walk up and and i'm really fearful but i'm thinking well there's really there's really no small talk to do because what am i going to talk about so okay yeah. Mm-hmm. So I asked the guy, I said, you know, I, I told the guy who I was. Uh, you know, I told him my name. I told him that my wife and I had come all the way from the United States, from Tennessee, um, to uh, work with the local church here. And I said, but I came, I came to ask you a question. I said, could I ask you a personal question? He said, sure. So I asked him that question. I said, if you were to die today, do you know for certain if you go to heaven? Well, he started talking, and you know, to me, that's a pretty simple yes or no question. So he starts talking. He talks for like three minutes, just nonstop. I mean, I don't know. And he's kind of, agi- I mean, he's moving his hands around. He's he's very animated, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, what's he doing? What's he saying? I mean, is he getting upset? You know, um, I, I really don't know what he's saying. So doubtful me i'm just sitting there praying you know god don't let him hurt us you know at least at least me and uh so <laughs> time to get away yeah let yeah, me start on yeah. these guys I, I, i'm already looking for an exit you know <laughs> and so he gets through talking i look over to the interpreter and i said you know what did he say he said well here's what he said he said he's working in the sugarcane field about three months ago and he cut himself with his machete on his hand and he got a severe infection and he didn't have money he didn't have any money to 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 buy medicine and he had an infection in his body and he almost died and he said he was so fearful that when he was about to die that he did not know what would happen to him when he died and he had been praying that if there was a god out there that god would send someone to him to tell him about him that was the very first person that I encountered when I stepped off the plane in Nicaragua. And I can tell you from that point on, that whole week, it was story after story after story that both my wife and she shared the gospel with people and then I did. And as we trained these people, um, we saw so many people it's like just picking fruit off of a tree. And, you know, the, the, his name was Enrique and I can see it, like I said, like it was yesterday. We we would hold, we would do that during the daytime. Then in the evening, we would we would have a we we would have a church service. And I can remember Enrique coming that night, walking down the aisle. the 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 pastor said, "We don't give invitations here. You know, we don't. That's not our custom." I said, "Well, I'm just going to ask 
if, if someone has made a decision, if they'll walk forward, just as a public statement that I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I'm, I'm ready. So we did that, even though they said they didn't do that. We did it anyway. And Enrique walked, walked down that aisle with tears in his eyes and, and was so grateful for God saving him. And that next, that next night, well, he brought his wife, and that next night his wife made a decision. And then that next night his, his daughter came and made a decision. She was about 10 or 12. And I had a chance to talk to um, the, the pastor of that church about two or three years later. And I was so overjoyed to hear that Enrique was a faithful member of the church. Um, I think he was a deacon now you know, at the church and was just so faithful and, and living a life for Christ. And, and I was just thinking, how cool was it that God used us, sent us 2,000 miles away or whatever it is from Memphis to Nicaragua just to share the gospel with this guy that had asked God to send him somebody. He could have sent a million other people. He could have sent half a million people in the city, in the town of, I mean, in, in the country of Nicaragua to share the gospel with him. But because we made ourselves available, I mean, you know, yes, it was a miracle that he got saved, but it was a blessing to Lydia and I to be a part of that. And it wasn't, it, the only thing we did was make ourselves available. Yeah, it goes back to, you know, I've said it so many times, God's not looking for ability, he's looking for availability. But what sticks out to me to that story is is when you were talking about driving down that sugarcane dirt road, being so fearful and, uh, and and having the conversation, I guess, with yourself, I don't know, or maybe it was with your wife, but uh, of, of wondering, you know, did we do something we're not ready for? Did yeah. We, and, uh, and then absolutely you were ready for it because he sent you for the purpose. But yeah. he was, you know, our Sunday school lesson this past week and Sunday, Cornelius and Peter. And God was working not only in Cornelius. Did I say that right? Cornelius. I can't talk. I got braces. <laughs> Cornelius's heart, but also Peter. And I, I believe that's the situation that you described. God not only was working in his heart, but he was also working in, in uh, your heart. And, and I believe God put that together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, we were, I grew up in Maryland, and, and my dad my dad was um, called to the Washington, D.C. area back in 1964. I was just four years old. It just turned four, and um, he was called to, to start a church in a little suburb, a little bedroom community um, outside of Washington, D.C., a place called Bowie, Maryland. And so, you know, my, my dad still lives up there. My mom passed away a year and a half ago. Um, but I have two sisters that still live there. So we, we go back to Maryland two or three times, at least two or three times a, a year. And, um, you know, growing up, you know, or for our children growing up, you know, we used to really love to go to Washington because we'd always make time to take them to the White House and the Capitol and just do sightseeing, things that, you know, I did in school growing up. Um, you know, in field trips, you know, all my life. And, you know, my, my wife, she's from Sardis, Mississippi. So, you know, she enjoyed doing it as well, seeing, seeing the sights and things. And, and I never, I'll never forget. It was, it was one, one summer we were there and, um, we were two blocks, about two or three blocks from the white house. And, you know, when you sightsee in Washington, you walk and walk and walk, and then you walk some more and, you know, you're just wasted 
from being so tired walking and and we we were looking for a place where we could maybe get something to drink and you know my wife and daughter use the restroom and there was a Burger King, um, several, I think it was a Burger King, two or three blocks in the White House. And, you know, I was out on the sidewalk along with my son, John Mark, and, well, Lydia and Anne Marie went inside the restroom. And there was this man outside, and he was panhandling. And he really didn't look, he didn't look like he was that hungry from a physical standpoint necessarily. He looked pretty healthy, and, you know, he, he, he really didn't look dirty you know so much you know and of course they do have professional panhandlers in dc yeah. like to do everywhere i guess but um you know he asked me for some money and and i told him i said you know i've got something i've i've got something better that i can give you and i said can i share with you and he said sure and you know i shared the gospel with him i, I asked him that diagnostic question to get things rolling and i shared the gospel with him would you believe that that man prayed to receive Christ right there on the sidewalk, two or three blocks from the White House? And here's what he shared with me. He was he was in his 50s. I mean, you have to keep in mind, this was, this was probably 15 years ago. But he said he was in his 50s. He said he had never traveled outside of Washington, D.C. He'd never left the city in all those years. But here's what struck me. He said, I can't believe that I've never heard this before. You're the first person in my life that has ever told me what you've shared with mm. me. And that just blew me away. Yeah. It just literally blew me away. Right there on the sidewalk, I'm not, not ashamed of anything, he, he sat there and, and prayed to receive Christ. And I told Joe, I think his name was Joe, I told Joe, I said, Joe, Chances are I'll never see you again here on earth. But I look forward to the day in heaven when we reminisce about this day right here. Mm -hmm. I said, you and I were brothers in Christ. And I said, you know, eternity eternity is just one heartbeat away. You know, as the Bible says, you know, our life here on earth is, is like a vapor. It's like a mist. And you know, that's what I want, you know, to, to communicate to people. You know, you may think that you have time to make a decision for Christ. But I'm just going to ask you a question. I'm not even going to answer the, answer the question. I'm just going to ask you a question. Who is younger? The 20-year-old that's going to lose his life in an accident two years from now? Or the 60-year-old that's going to live to be 100? You, you don't know. Our, our, your next breath from God is a gift from God. And, you know, for people who put things off and put things off, you know, that's a very dangerous way to live life. I mean, it, it's really nothing short of playing Russian roulette. Mm -hmm. It's actually worse than that because you're talking about your eternity. So, you know, I'm just, you know, there again, you know, I didn't go, I didn't go to Washington that day thinking, well, I'm going to find someone. I'm going to find someone. Maybe I should have been thinking that way, but I didn't go with the intent purpose of, okay, we're going to share this gospel with somebody and save it. You know, it's like that opportunity came to me. I'm just standing there minding my own business, and that guy comes up to me and asks me for money. You know, and I, and I, turned, that, I turned that opportunity into a um, – I turned that worldly opportunity into a godly spiritual opportunity. And I'm just going to tell you, you know – 
we can do that on a daily basis as we live our lives. And that's why this um, course that we just got finished teaching, Conversational Evangelism, that's why it's so important to me and why it's such a blessing to teach others to don't be afraid to put yourself out there. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Mm-mm. You really don't. I mean, the gospel is so simple a child can understand it. Yeah. You just have to be willing and make yourself available. I want to thank Mark Sharp for taking a time out of his busy schedule to to share his testimony and uh, the gospel and some stories. I really, really enjoyed it. So for the next few minutes, we've got a few minutes left. Let's take a little bit deeper look into the gospel. We discussed it last week, but let's look at it a little bit more. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of man. Is that right? Yep. It is? Did you say gospel of man? I did. No, I, I didn't catch that. I'm sorry. No, that's not <laughs> you right. You see how quickly you can be deceived? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't think you were heretical, so that's why I was agreeing with you. Uh, set apart for the gospel of God. That's right. That's the key. Yeah. Usually, uh, I tell you what, we have distorted over over since the first church what the gospel is. Yeah. And it, it seems to be a trend more now than ever to begin the gospel with the man Mm. his needs his wants his desires what do you have for me that is the wrong place to start so ever since the the first century uh, the gospel has been distorted. So we need to get back to the true gospel. Galatians 1 6 says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let them be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Why is it important to get the gospel right? Look, you do not want to fall in this category of well, distorting this gospel. So let's let's take a few minutes here. Got a few minutes left, and walk through the gospel. Before we do that, let's uh, let's talk about. You know, you you alluded. I want to say this just real quick before we get into the what the gospel is. Um, let's look at the problem that we're facing uh, today. And uh, you uh, alluded to it just a minute ago. Uh, but but let me start by asking you what what is the gospel? What what does that word mean? It actually means in the Greek. It means good news. Okay, that's right. So, why is it good news? It's only good because there's bad. That's right. The problem today that 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 we have a issue uh, with with the, the the full gospel being presented and proclaimed, in my opinion, is we spend so much more time. Um, we're too quick. We're so quick to get to the answer rather than spending enough time having folks realize the real cause of their sickness. And that's obviously true moral guilt in the Mm -hmm. presence of God. 
And so we don't spend enough time on the problem because we're so anxious to get to the answer. Very quickly. Very quickly. You need Jesus. Well, why do I need Jesus? Let's spend some time there. Well, you need Jesus because, again, the gospel begins with God, the nature of God. And what is God's nature? God is holy. God is just. God can never violate any of his attributes. He can never do anything to contradict himself. And that's who you want God to be. That's right. You don't want anybody other than that. How would it be that the God of the universe be evil or not be right? That's right. To waver in what is right. No, we want a, a just God. We want somebody who is holy, who is perfect. And uh, that's who we want our God to be. And that's exactly who he is. So what we do, we have a problem. Because God is holy and right and just. The problem is, what's he going to do with us? Who are we? I tell you, the most terrifying truth in Scripture, this will blow your mind. You want to know what it is? God is Good. good it's good that's exactly right i was uh, i was uh, that's where i was gonna he is good so god is good in uh, luke eighteen nineteen, and jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except god alone yeah so god is good in romans three twelve, it says all have turned aside together they have become worthless no one does good not even one. You know, when you talk to people and you ask them about salvation, the number one response is, I'm a good person. Hmm. Well, according to Scripture, there's no one good, not any person on planet Earth. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the question is, what is God a holy God going to do with people like us who who are sinners, who are haters of him, what is he going to do with us? You he just, has to do something. And you just think about that statement. Camp out there a second. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, what does scripture teach us as to the reason why God created us? To bring himself glory. Mm-hmm. But we sinned, we sinned and what did it do? It made us fall short of bringing him that glory. Mm-hmm. And so if we are not the people that he created us to be, back to your question, what is he to do? Mm-hmm. If a just God, if he, if he pardons the wicked, then he is no longer just. If a holy God calls the wicked into a, a fellowship with him, then he can no longer be holy. So, Jimmy, how does a just God pardon wicked men and still be just? He can't. Well, in Numbers 14, 18, it says, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty. Hmm. Jimmy, we in trouble. That's right. We're guilty and we're sinners. So... We're in trouble. We are in trouble. We are in uh, uh, big trouble. <laughs> I, I, you know, we don't. It, it's like, uh, you know, Mark made the comment last week. We're we're spiritually bankrupt. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's absolutely 100% an accurate description and depiction of what we are as, as sinners apart from God. We are bankrupt spiritually, which means the scripture says uh, the wages of sin is death. Hmm. Well, we're already dead spiritually. Correct. And so when it comes time, you know, we don't have the, you know, when it comes time to settle up with God, we're bankrupt. Absolutely. We don't have anything to give him in order to settle up. And so we're, like you said, in trouble. Your righteousness is like filthy rags to him. You know what that, you know what that means? No. (laughs) Filthy rags. Do you know what that means? I, I, I would hope that someone would uh, you would do a word study on this mm. and see exactly what i'm saying but that text your righteousness is filthy rags mm-hmm. i mean you can't bring anything to god and say look who what i've done for you mm-hmm. so the answer is definitely found in the cross of jesus christ since god is just he has to judge and condemn our sin but here's the good news god is love so what god did is His son becomes a man, lives the perfect life as a man, and goes to that tree. And on that tree, the sins of his people are cast upon him, Romans 3.26. And all the justice, all the wrath of God that we deserve was thrown on Jesus Christ. That's the remedy. So on that tree, he bore our Sin. That's right. Whose sin is that? Ours. Who's ours? His children. Absolutely. Those God gave him. You know, this is, and it pleased the Lord to crush him. It says in Isaiah 53, 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The Lord, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his land. So it actually satisfies God's wrath. It, it, he took our wrath and it pleased God to do it. It's kind of, if you think about it, it pleased God the Father to crush the Son. It did. That's like... I want, I want people, well, I'll, I'll make that statement later because I'm going to get a little bit off track by saying it. So, all right, I'll go ahead and say it because you're looking at me. It's like, you know, I've heard um, people say, you know, you, you just accept the Lord because, you know, you want to because you don't want your, you don't want to be heartbroken. You don't want to make your mother or your father heartbroken. Um, you know, they've, they've gone when you don't come into heaven. Uh, you know, they, your parents have gone before you and you don't want to break their heart even more, uh, you know, because you didn't accept Christ. Well, here's the thing about that. In heaven, there will be no sorrow. Mm-mm. There will be no sorrow. So if it is seen that, that, that if my mother is in heaven and here on earth, her son Jimmy never comes to Christ and I get cast into the pit of hell, she will fall on her knees and say, holy, 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 you righteous and glorious God. You mm-hmm. did the right thing, the just thing, mm-hmm. by casting him into hell. Yeah. He suffered and died, right? Yeah. Because why? For the wages of sin is death. On the third day, he rose from the dead, and now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Acts 4.12 says, for there is no other name 
under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Mm-hmm. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So what should we do in order to be saved? Well, Acts 17, 30 says, He now commands all people everywhere to repent. We've got to repent and believe the gospel. That's what we must do. We talk about repentance a lot. So what what does it mean to repent? Well, it actually means in the Greek to change one's mind. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the core of it, and uh, that's true. It means to change your mind. So then you ask the second question, what is the mind? What is the mind? Well, when the Bible refers to the mind, it's it's the heart. It's uh, it's kind of the control center of a human being. It's the It's our will. It's our emotions. It's our intellect. It's our decision, decision-making process. There's a lot to the mind. It's not just saying, oh, Jesus, you're, uh, you're Lord and King, and then you're back to life as normal. I'm the, sorry for all this bad I've done. Yeah, the mind includes all of those things that I've just mentioned. Yeah. So if you change your mind, everything else will change with it. That's right. What if it doesn't change? Then your mind hasn't changed, and there's not been biblical repentance. That's right. I think of Saul on the road uh, to Damascus. He had uh, had some marching orders. He did. He he was to to capture Christians. Uh, He thought that uh, Jesus of Nazareth was the greatest blasphemer that ever walked this planet. He had an agenda. Uh, He thought Christians were, were... needed to be destroyed at you know actually that's what he had to go and that's to destroy christians yeah so he's on the road and then he had an encounter with jesus and saul's whole way of thinking changed on that road everything he thought about reality was wrong especially regarding who god was yeah and uh, that well, that that goes to the whole change of mind, but really, if you if you take a deeper look into that, it takes me back to to the whole Jesus Nicodemus encounter in, mm-hmm. in John three, where um, where Jesus says uh, to to Nicodemus that he must be born again, and uh, you know he doesn't tell us how to be born again in that chapter. Or in that, he doesn't tell us how to be born again through that uh, through that scripture. He says to Nicodemus in John three, he says, uh, "Man cannot see the wind, only the effects of it." And of course, we know the wind is a picture of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and so we can't see the Holy Spirit. We can't control the Holy Spirit. We can only uh, experience the effects of it, and that's exactly what happened to Paul or Saul mm-hmm. on the road to Damascus. He was born again, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he had a change of mind. Absolutely, you know the Christians that he were he was going to to persecute and to arrest. He realized that they were the people of God. Because his thoughts changed, everything else changed. And then he what? He was baptized, and then he began to preach the gospel. The very faith that he was persecuting, mm-hmm. now he was preaching. Yeah. What a change of mind. 
So repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Repentance is a total transformation and total new direction of your life. No new direction, no transformation, and no repentance. That's right. So you must repent and you must believe. You must believe in Jesus Christ and recognize that there is absolutely nothing, nothing that you can do on your own to be saved. That's exactly right. You can't do anything to be saved. It's the Bible says we we quote this a lot, but it's it's the proof text into to what we're talking about. And there's many others, but the the real clear one that we go back to is Ephesians two eight. Mm-hmm. You know, it is by f- grace through faith that you have been saved, not by works. There's nothing you can do to gain garner salvation or earn salvation. It's all God's salvation is of the Lord. Correct. And so you may ask yourself, well, how do I know it's real? How do I know that my salvation is real? Well, one of the evidence is it will continue. Hmm. It will continue. Your life will continue. It doesn't, you know, when I remember when I got saved, I was on a very, I was on an emotional high. And that high, guess what? Came down. So it wasn't based on my emotions or that that's going to waver. But you will continue to grow in grace. You will uh, continue to deepen in your faith. Little by little, your life will be transformed into the image of Jesus. Will you sin? Yes. Will you fall into sin? Yes. But here is the difference. A true Christian can't live in a constant state of carnality. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, Romans 6, uh, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Here's the deal. You can't. That's right. You can't do it. You know why? Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So, one of the greatest signs of true conversion is God will watch over you. He will be like a parent. He will he'll watch over you, and sometimes when you get off the path, he'll bring you back on, and sometimes, well, he will. If you, if you stay off the path, Hebrews 12, 6, he'll discipline you yeah. because he loves you. That's right. Endurance is a mark of a Christian. Mm-hmm. So, Jimmy, we agree it is the salvation of God. It's not a, it's not walking down the aisle. It's really not, you can't base it on a, a profession of faith. Nobody is saved by a profession of faith. How do we know that? Well, in Matthew it says these people had professions of faith, but God never knew them. That's right. So uh, don't base your salvation on something Something that might have happened 30 years ago. If it did happen, then it's happening now. So that's kind of the evidence, I believe, that one of the evidences of many that you've been born again. Yeah, I would just say that, uh, you know, these these don't get deceived. Don't let it's a work of Satan. It's a work for a lie straight from the pit of hell to, to don't ever let anybody tell you that uh, that you're saved based on these one of these ABC one, two, three repeat after me prayers, because those those will not save you. Pray a ritual saying a prayer will not 
give you salvation. It's only the God of the prayer that can save you. Mm -hmm. So don't you ever believe that saying a prayer, some magic potion uh, for salvation uh, ever saved you because that's deceived millions of people. And I really, truly am convinced and believe uh, in my heart of hearts uh, that, that there are millions of people in hell, in torment, in torture today because they believe they were saved because they prayed a prayer at some point in their life. Mm. But they did not have any change of mind, any change of life following that prayer. So it's salvation is from God. It's not uh, it's not an owl. It's not a prayer. Now, not against those things. Heard one person say, man, he almost got saved. He almost walked down the aisle. I got news for you. Ain't nothing magical about an aisle. You read in the Bible, read about all the aisles that were there. Guess what? There weren't any. The gospel was preached. People repented and believed and were born again. That's, That's the right. key. If you walk an aisle, hey, you got saved in your seat if you heard the gospel. The aisle did nothing to you. I'm not saying I'm against it at all. I'm just saying don't base your salvation on an aisle or anything a, anything you've ever done. Absolutely. Let's just put it that way. Well, next week we're thinking about possibly getting in the book of Galatians. Yeah. That's a oh, that's awesome. It is. My my life verse uh comes out of Galatians two twenty, mm -hmm. you know, being crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's the one that I cling to the most. So uh, yeah, I, I'm real fired up about getting into Galatians. If that's where if that's yeah. where if that's where we go. Yeah. Well, hey, tune in next week and we'll figure we'll figure it out. All right. Well, let's go. Let's get out of here as we do. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we love you. Lord God, just thank you so much again, as we tell you every week for this opportunity that uh, you've given Phil and I to, to, to come together every week and to share your goodness, to share um, to share your gospel and, and to bring glory into your name. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we, we know that uh, those listening today have heard the gospel. They have heard the biblical gospel, which comes from your word. And if there be any today that you intend to save, Lord God, I just ask you to draw them to yourself, draw them to repentance, and I just ask that you uh, give them the uh, the clear mind, the ears to have heard the message that Phil, Phil shared, and, uh, and Lord, I just ask that you you just give them that courage to and, and, and that conviction to uh, to open their mind and, and to respond to you in repentance and faith. It's these prayers we pray up to you right now. In the holy, in the righteous, in the glorious and beautiful name of the only name under heaven by which man must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, we'll see you back here next week, folks, right here at Life Song Radio. Have a great week. I've done every devotional, been every place emotional. Tried to hear a new word from God, and I think it's very odd. And will I attempt to help myself? My Bible sits upon the shelf. Every promise I could ever need And the Word was And the Word is And the Word will be And the Word was And the Word is And the Word will be People are getting fit for truth Like they're buying a new tailored suit Does it fit across the shoulders? Will it fade when it gets older? Throw ideas that aren't in style in the Salvation Army pile And search for something more to meet our needs The word was, and the word is, and the word will be
cover all the ground that I have covered Like seek ye first, what a verse We are pressed but not crushed, perplexed but don't despair We are persecuted but not abandoned We are no 